Welcome to the Kinetic Seas Business AI Podcast. This is the podcast about bringing artificial intelligence into your business. My name is Ed Honor and I am your host. In today's episode, we are going to talk about introducing AI into your business. Now, this is an interesting topic because a lot of people ask me this question all the time. So where should I start? I want to I want to use artificial intelligence. I want to get a competitive advantage. I think my people could use AI to do a better job doing their jobs. And I think we can use AI saving money. So the question always comes down to where do I start? And when I look at that, as an AI consultant and a solution architect, I think of it in two, in three different ways. We have this super simple way, which is this, we're gonna get you to start using ChatGPT or other large language models, and we're gonna integrate it into your business with a, a zero code approach. We're basically just getting people accounts to open AI. We're letting them ch use ChatGPT, and it's just a simple way to introduce artificial intelligence to your business. On the other end is the super complex, where you want to uh, use vector databases. You want to fine tune your own large language model so it can do things for your business that um, really gives you a competitive edge. Or maybe you want to do full model training and use other types of generative AI. That's way on the complex end of the spectrum because that actually requires that you have uh, infrastructure in-house that is built to do those things. So somewhere in the middle is usually the sweet spot, and that involves using the ChatGPT API. Now, if you're not familiar with API, APIs are application programming interfaces. And with an API, that is a way for you to write your own programs that will talk to ChatGPT or other large language models using an interface that is very standard among developers. So when we're thinking about introducing AI to our business, we, we, you know, we start on the super simple approach, which has its drawbacks for sure. We can go to the very complex approach, but I think that sweet spot is really in the middle when you're talking about building things with the ChatGPT API. So let me start on the simple approach, which is just using ChatGPT in your business and turning it uh, loose on the wild to your employees inside of your organization. Now that is fraught with a lot of challenges. The most obvious being ChatGPT and all language, large language models have a tendency to hallucinate. So if you don't know how to use ChatGPT properly and you just go in and you go into the chat, the OpenAI website and you start putting in prompts, if you really need to take the results that ChatGPT generates for you and you need to verify them. Uh, there's definitely been some pretty well-known cases where ChatGPT just makes stuff up. And ChatGPT has a tendency based on the way large language models work to come up with, they do a couple things. One is they tell on themselves. So somewhere in the paragraph that you get from your large language model, it might say something, well, as a large language model, I don't know how to do this. And then it tells on itself. So people who use uh, ChatGPT and who are really lazy, they get themselves in trouble because they uh, just take the results, copy and paste the results out of ChatGPT and start using them. 
And ChatGPT in any large language model is only as good as the prompts you give it. So the second step on the simple approach is to get some prompt training. Teach your staff how to properly ask ChatGPT for things. There's a lot that you can do inside of the website. There's a lot of tips and techniques that people have, and I'm going to cover a lot of those in upcoming podcasts. But you can get really far um, without doing any programming, any writing any custom code or buying any apps. You can get really far just by um, using prompt training. Uh, the one thing I like to use is the statement from the perspective of. Okay, so sometimes I'll I'll, I'll ask ChatGPT for something, and it'll give me a kind of a fluffy answer that's definitely not right for the arg the audience I'm targeting. So in a lot of cases, if I say from the perspective of a chemical engineer. How do I? And then it will then ChatGPT will write the output targeting the type of person that you're trying to target. So prompt training is definitely a, a good low-cost solution to getting something out of ChatGPT without really spending a lot of money. Now, where we where it starts to get interesting is with the ChatGPT API. Now, again, API is, pro, uh, is application programming interface, and almost every modern web application gets its data using an API. So, what happens is when you uh, build your front end or you use an application that uses the API, it uses an HTTP POST request to send the information you're looking to for to ChatGPT. It answers your question and then returns it in a JSON array or a JSON object. Now, JSON stands for Job, JavaScript Object Notation. And that is just a way that over time, people have kind of got together and said, this is the way computers are going to talk to each other. They're gonna ask for things using an HTTPS post, and they're gonna get it back as JSON objects or JSON arrays. Now, with the ChatGPT API, there are a ton of applications that you can find that are really nothing more than a front end to the ChatGPT API. And what's happening here is the application, let's say it's written in Python and Angular, the application is editing your prompt for you. It is giving ChatGPT maybe some context that you don't know because you haven't got, you're not experienced with ChatGPT. It's giving you some uh, prompt training. So that prompt that I said, you know, from the perspective of. So let's say you've got an AI-based real estate app and you want it to help you, uh, you're writing an app and you want this app to help you write real estate listings. So even by putting in the prompt, just putting in into the, when you're calling the API, putting in from the perspective of a real estate broker writing a real estate listing, describe this property, okay? And in that case, what you're doing is the application that you purchased it is just using ChatGPT, but it's prompt engineering. It's making a prompt that is 
tailored to the type of app that you purchase. So there are some really good API-based apps out there. There are some really not so good based API apps. Um, to me, this is something that if you're bringing in artificial intelligence into your business and you've got an IT department and you've got some reasonably experienced uh, developers, writing your own API-based custom front end is something that you can actually do fairly easily. Now, as a matter of fact, on our Kinetic Seas YouTube channel, I have a tutorial. It's a three-part tutorial on building your own custom front end to ChatGPT. Uh, I think total, it's probably about three hours. If you have a developer go through it from start to end, you will be able to uh, develop your own custom front end using Angular, Python, and ChatGPT. So now when you're developing your own custom front end or integrating it into your own applications that you, that you already have at your organization, one of the things that building an API and using, um, using the ChatGPT API gets you is your ability to use your own company data. So uh, I have been an Oracle developer since well before the turn of the century. And almost every client I have has their data in Oracle databases. And so the ability to pull information out of a database like Oracle, add it to your prompt, and then use that in an API-based front end is amazingly powerful. That gives you the ability to um, maybe create the prompt using checkboxes. So you have a, a screen where people check a bunch of boxes and based on the boxes that they check on their screen, it changes the prompt. So it gives you a very specific prompt. The other thing that you can do when you're doing something that's database driven and API driven is you can do something iteratively, which means you can do something more than once. So you can ask the ask ChatGPT for something, then take its response, use that response maybe to do a data query out of your Oracle database, or I'm, I'm going to introduce vector databases in a second, and then take that information, build that into your prompt, and then send it back to ChatGPT. Now, as soon as you build that interface to your database, things get really powerful really fast because now you can put in a prompt. The prompt might be data-driven from data in your database. It gets sent to ChatGPT. Uh, ChatGPT makes an answer. Now you take that answer that it's given you and you save it back into your database. Now, traditional relational databases are great and they're very, very powerful. But when you start talking about artificial intelligence, you want to start talking about a thing called a vector database. Now, in artificial intelligence and large language models, when you think of words, okay, uh, computers don't handle words well, and large language models don't handle words well. So you have to represent the word, the sentence, the topic as something called a vector. You have to, well, first of all, you have to represent it as a number. Now, everything, you, we could take the entire um, vocabulary of the English language, and I think it's like 50,000 words. Well, let's say it's 50,000 words for argument. And you could take every word in the language, and you can give it its own number. And that's called one-hot encoding. And that 
is not the way you want to go about do it, doing it because words that look similar and sound similar have nothing to do with each other. So there is no similarity between the word house and the word horse, even though they're very, very close in their spelling and the way they look. But cat and kitten are two relatively um, similar things, since a kitten is a baby cat. You would, if you were making your encoding of your words mean something, you want those words to be closer to each other. Now, a vector in mathematics means something different than a vector in computer science. So I'm just going to talk about a vector in computer science. A vector is a list of numbers, and the number of dimensions a vector has is the number of numbers that are in that list. So when you embed words using a, a, G, a GPT or a large language model, what you're basically doing is creating vectors. Now, think of a vector as being like a, a, a line in space. And vectors that are close to each other are similar, and vectors that are far apart from each other are very different. So if we encode the word cat and we encode the word kitten, those should be vectors that are very close to each other. And so if you do a similarity search, like using cosine similarity or Euclidean distance, you're, what you're doing is you're finding words and topics that are close to each other based on the vector embeddings. So what you can do with, your, with AI is when you get a result back from your, from your API, you can embed that and create a vector out of it and then store it in a vector database. And a vector database had indexes in a certain way using, let's say, cosine similarity. It allows you to do similarity searches. So when we build this application using the ChatGPT API, whenever we get a response, one of the things we can do is save that response in a vector database encode it so that we have a vector and then when we get another response out of the database we can compare them or when we want to send data into the prompt into the into chat gpt through the api prompt we could query the vector database first we could say um, write me a summary of this and this is an example of a good one that you did in the past and then you would go to the vector database, you would query ones that have been done in the past, and then now you have a reference. Now, ChatGPT4 is really, really good at using um, the things you pass in for context. ChatGPT 3.5 Turbo also is, but uh, GPT4 takes it to a new level. So when we're talking about introducing artificial intelligence to our business, once we get to that area where we're starting to use the API, and trust me, getting started with the API is not a difficult challenge. What I would recommend if you're an IT director, a CIO, even a chief security officer, um, go to the Kinetic Seas um, YouTube, YouTube channel. It's just at Kinetic Seas. And then take a look at the, the topic on building your own ChatGPT front end. Because when you see that and you see actually how simple it is to build these applications, 
whoever your solution architect is at your organization is going to see a lot of different places where you can build uh, use the API to extend the functionality of existing applications or build that custom front end. Now, I'm a big fan of, of using um, the ChatGPT API in my applications. I've got several applications that I do everything from using ChatGPT to do some background basic research to using ChatGPT to make the paragraphs in a report look similar or be um, correct grammar. There's just so much you can do right out of the box without ever touching or changing the large language model. So now let's talk about the last, the elephant in the room, the most complex part. Now, so far, the only thing we've talked about up until this point that is really unique to artificial intelligence is vector databases. Using ChatGPT from a website is pretty much something everybody knows how to do. If you've got an IT department and you program in Angular, React, or Vue, which are the big popular front ends right now, you know how a G an API works. Uh, it doesn't take much as a Python programmer to write your own APIs that are pass-throughs that are going into the ChatGPT API. But now we want to get complex. We have vector databases, and now we want to start talking about fine-tuning our large, our large language model or doing model training or creating and training our own custom models. Now, fine-tuning is a process where you take a base model. And now a base model is just, it is the, it is after the steps where you've done the initial training. So they've trained a model. At this point, the model has learned a lot about the, it learned a lot from the internet. It knows how language structure works. It can tell the difference between a mean tweet and a not mean tweet. It's very, um, it, it, it can already do a lot, but it's trained off the internet. So it doesn't know anything about your business. So let's say now you wanna build that custom front end and it's an, a, it's an API based app, but you want it to generate, you, you, let's say you want it to do a chat or generate uh, information about your company, but nothing about your company is in the large language model. ChatGPT doesn't know anything about you, or at least it, it might know who your business is and how long you've been around, but it doesn't know any of the proprietary information. So from there, what we need to do is fine tune the large language model. Now what that requires doing is taking data out of your standard database or out of documents and creating what's called a prompt file. And you take the prompt file and you basically run it through a training process that requires some very specialized hardware. The hardware that it's gonna use is based on graphics processing units and not uh, central processing units. So it's GPU-based training and not CPU-based training. So the odds are when you get to that point where you want to fine-tune your LLM, you do not have the hardware and infrastructure in-house to do it. And the odds are uh, your cloud host that you're using for your corporate database, if you are up in the cloud, also doesn't have the equipment necessary. And that's where specified companies like actually our company, Kinetic Seas, we have a product called the Kinetic Cloud. 
And in that case, it gives you the ability to rent compute clusters, either for training, for running inference, or running hyperparameter detection. You can rent them on an hourly, daily, weekly, or monthly basis. So let's say you've got an LLM that you want to fine tune. What you first have to do is extract the data out of your database and create these prompt files. Then you load it on to the hardware that you're doing the fine tuning and you let it run. Now fine tuning a model can take anywhere from a day to a week to a month, depending on what you're teaching it. And what you wanna do here is teach it and reinforce it as much as possible. So you might be doing some repeat stuff and you're asking the same question and then asking it backwards. And then what this is gonna do is this is gonna create a file called that has weights and biases in it. So these are this is the fine tuning that is the fine tuning for your um, data that you've given it. So now you have your base model, you have a file that you've created by your fine tuning, and then what you do to run inference is you load them up on the hardware. First you load the base model, then you load your weights and biases from your fine tuning, and you go and you test it. So you say, you start asking it questions. Like I wanna build a, let's say you're a restaurant company, I wanna build a restaurant here, write me documentation based on our proprietary um, building um, routine, write me that documentation. And you see how it did. Now if, if the fine tuning didn't do well, you can fine tune it again, you can start over, or you can continue the tuning process. And a lot of the things with fine tuning is there is some trial and error to it. It's kind of like if you want to teach somebody calculus, but they haven't learned algebra and you try to teach them algebra, but you haven't taught them addition, subtraction, multiplication and division. You need to do training in a certain order. You need to do training a certain way. So there is a lot of trial and error that goes into fine tuning your LLM. Now, you're not gonna get away with fine-tuning your LLM and then not creating a, an API for it. So if I was to, if somebody came to me today and said, I want to fine-tune an LLM, the base model that I'm probably gonna use is Llama 2. And Llama 2 from Meta, remember them from the Facebook days, Llama 2 from Meta comes in three different sizes. It comes in a 7 billion parameter size, a 13 billion parameter size, and a 70 billion parameter size. Now, obviously, the more parameters, the better off you are. But the 7 billion parameter uh, model is still pretty amazing. So the size of that model it has a lot to do with how much resources you need to fine-tune it and how much resources you need to run it. Now, running a model is called inference, and that requires a different kind of hardware than you're used to. Not only does it require GPUs, which are new to AI, or if, unless you were mining cryptocurrency, um, your GPUs are new to AI, and now you need to have a high availability multi-user system because you're gonna have more than one person I'm running, potentially running this model at the same time. So the infrastructure that's required when you're creating your own fine-tuned large language model 
A, you're going to need hardware to run it on, and B, you're going to need a way to access it. So keep in mind, all the way back to the first thing we talked about was that simple web page for using Chad GPT. Well, if you create your own large language model, if I create Ed's GPT, well, Edge GPT doesn't have a website that it can talk to. And if it did have a website that it could talk to, it's going to talk to the LLM through the API that I create for my website. So if, you do, if you're planning on doing anything beyond turning your people loose on ChatGPT and possibly having a little extra um, prompt training, my recommendation is to get started using the ChatGPT API. And I recommend it again. I'll say this for, I think for the third time, go to our, uh, go to our YouTube channel and just walk step-by-step step through the process of building your own API to chat GPT. Or basically what you're doing is you're building your own API to your own front end applications. And that is going to use the chat GPT API to get results back. Because if you fine tune your own model, you're going to need to be able to talk to it. So you're going to be following this same process again. Now, once you do um, fine tuning, you can also go to the very beginning and do model training. Now, unless your company is named Microsoft or OpenAI or Tesla or Oracle, training a model from scratch is kind of a daunting task. The benefit of it is that you're gonna train it just on what you want it trained on. So when you look at the large language model, like the 70 billion parameter LAMA2 model, okay, that's trained on a lot of things. It's trained on a lot of different languages. And I would say if you 95% of what is in the base model are not things you're ever gonna use. So you could start from scratch, train your own model, train it the way you want it to have it trained. Now again, this is something we can help you with at Kinetic Seas. Um, after we first try to talk you out of doing it. So there's a lot of things you can do before you get to the point of model training. And, um, but when you get to the point where you're really getting the most out of artificial intelligence, it's making your people work better and more efficient. It's giving you a competitive edge and it's reducing costs. When you can say those three things, maybe it's time to start thinking about model training. And so the last thing on the complexity list is creating your own model. Now, if you did not get your PhD in math within the last, oh, five years or so, I'd say if, it's, if you got your PhD in math five years ago, you still might be trying to play catch up. If you want to create your own custom models where you're going to take the transformer model and you're gonna do something really cool and really different with it, and you're gonna write your own Python code, and you're gonna write your own routines for averaging gradients. Um, wow, I, I'm impressed. Uh, come to Kinetic Cloud, we'll have the hardware for you. It might take, <laughs> you might be on our hardware for months at a time, but you know, that is the holy grail of AI when, you create, when you're creating your own models and you're training your own models. Now, again, if you're not OpenAI, you're not Oracle, you're not Google, you're not Meta, uh, again, it's something we would start by trying to talk you out of. But we would, do, we would talk you out of by saying, listen, you need, to, you need to do this in the roadmap that we have. 
you need to try ChatGPT first, see if large, if you think there's going to be some benefit to having your own large language model. Then you need to learn the ChatGPT API, use some of our source code, um, walk through it with us, um, learn how to create an API that calls an API, have it talk to your company database, graduate to vector databases, then get into the fine-tuning your LLM, your model training, and your creating your custom models. So I hope that was a decent introduction to how to introduce AI into your business. Um, please look for us on YouTube, uh, subscribe, hit the like button, whatever it is you have to do, depending on whatever platform you are, you're on. But in our next episode, we are going to be talking about security in AI. So I hope to see you then.